Lovely. Uh, hi, everyone. Morning. Lovely to see you. Uh, my name's Ed, if you, in case you missed that. Uh, and uh, yeah, this has been a great series. We've really enjoyed this series. And my title this morning, if I could have the, um, uh, Isaac, the, uh, the stuff up on screen, that'd be fantastic. Um, uh, uh, oh, there we go. Good. Lovely. My title is Joyful Contentment. Joyful Contentment. And I'm going to ask you a question. Are you content? Are you content? I'm not going to ask you to, to put your hands up. Just think about it for the minute. How would you answer when I, if I were to ask you, are you content? You know, I think probably we would have a little mixture of answers. To be completely honest, there would be a mixture of answers from me depending on what time of day it was. Uh, depending on how hungry I was. Uh, it's not been long since breakfast, so you're doing all right. It's a 9.30 service, is fine. But watch out, the 11 o'clock service. Um, it, my answer might be slightly different. You know, the, the Rolling Stones had a hit song, I Can't Get No Satisfaction. And I'd just like to make completely clear, this is like decades before I was born. Decades before I was born. Um, anyone remember, anyone old enough to remember the, the 90s advert? What, what, was, what was being advertised, I Can't Get No Satisfaction song? Do you remember that? <laughs> there we go. No, Snickers is the right answer, but by marathon, you're even more showing your age. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's a song where, actually, if you ignore some of the innu innuendo that's, that's in the song, actually, probably what, what is being said there is relatable to many, many people. Um, you know, many people in the world would say, hmm, I'm, I'm not sure that I'm content with the way things are in my life. And, and to be honest, that's not surprising, is it? Because, you know, we live in a world where entire industries are, are built, that their whole success is, is around this premise that people will feel discontented and dissatisfied and that they want to do something about it they want to buy something or they want to they want to go somewhere though and then what they want to do is they want to parade what they've bought or where they've been on social media and everyone else feels a little bit more discontented as well you know that's kind of the way the world that we're living in at the moment um, and whether we would freely um, admit it or not I reckon that probably we each of us have some kind of contentment equation, some kind of mixture of, of circumstances or a, a state of play that when you add those things together that we would find contentment. And I, I wonder what some of those things are for, for us in the world that we're, we're living. Is, uh, is contentment a high standard of living? You know, if I, if I were just to have this car, then I'd be driving around with a smile on my face all the time. You know, if I were to go on, on this holiday, then my family are going to have so much fun and they're never and ever going to argue and fight again. Uh, you know, if I, if we, who's been on a holiday like that? No, good. Um, if I were to have these clothes, then I'm going to feel much better about myself and I'm going to earn respect and admiration of other people. But... I think probably most of us here, I expect, and most, perhaps most of us watching online, have cottoned on to, uh, to, to a truth that, that actually discontentment doesn't go away the, the more that we have. You know, when John D. Uh, Rockefeller, a very handsome-looking fellow there, one of the richest people in history, you know, he was asked, how much money does it take uh, for someone to be happy? And he answered this, just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. You know, in our, in our gut, we know that a high standard of living doesn't necessarily equal contentment because we all know people that have got less than us and yet seem 
really content, really happy. Life's going well. And, you know, they have a great marriage. Family life seems really fun. And they just seem kind of satisfied. And actually, I think we probably all know of people who we suspect are much, much richer than us. And yet, actually, life is, is, is miserable. And uh, actually, for them, it feels a bit like life is falling apart. So I don't know whether, whether for you that, whether you think often contentment is related to a high standard of living. Conversely, there's the opposite approach. Less is more. You just need to declutter. Um, You know, this mentality wants you to believe that actually happiness and contentment is found in in how simply you're able to live. You know, if only you just kind of pared down your to-do list. If only you you kind of cut back on the busyness. If, If only you finally got rid of that junk in your attic. If only you got to inbox zero. Who's inbox zero? Anybody? I'm afraid I am too, sorry about that. Um, then then you'll, be, you'll be content if you live simply. You know, it might be that we think of contentment being about doing fulfilling work, doing work that uh, is, uh, yeah, just satisfying, fulfilling, work that I really enjoy and that I really feel makes a contribution. It might be about, you know, contentment about healthy diet and exercise. It might be that uh, contentment is about sleeping really well, getting really good sleep. Um, it might be about being in a relationship or, or our relationships with our loved ones and our friends, being in a really great place, being really, uh, really healthy. Um, it might be a, this. It might be a, a feeling that, that actually, if I just play it safe, if I make sure I don't take any risks in life, if I don't risk getting hurt or inconvenienced, then that's the key to a contented life. And so to, we get the bubble wrap out. And we play it safe. And is, is that the secret to contentment? bit of parenting going on there, you can see. I'm not going to usher a show of hands who falls into that category of bubble wrap around their children. Um, how about this? Contentment is found in doing things that I enjoy. The Tour de France started yesterday. These are the most exciting three weeks of the year. Can I hear an amen? There we go. I was hoping to get at least one little amen from down here. Um, you know, it, does, it doesn't get... Is it just about finding things that I enjoy and I can find contentment? And to be honest with you, there is no doubt that there's a degree of truth in all of these things. Uh, you know, if you do a bit of Googling about contentment, you know, I expect that all of these kind of different things will be, will be mentioned. And actually, you know, let's be clear, there's nothing wrong in enjoying stuff. There's absolutely nothing wrong in enjoying stuff. It's great to live healthy and productive lives. It turns out that getting good sleep is more important than we ever thought it was. Many of these things can contribute to our our happiness and our contentment and our well-being. And they are gifts from God and we can be thankful for them. However, I think probably we all know deep down that actually even if we were just to achieve the impossible task of, of getting all of our ducks in a row, getting it all sorted out, getting it all straight in all those areas to meet our equation, that probably we won't have cracked the secret to lasting contentment to lasting contentment. And that's because of this. That's because these equations that we kind of come up with in our our minds, they they ultimately come from this kind of very natural and very understandable belief, which is this. My circumstances dictate my happiness. And so if I can only get my circumstances under control, I can be content. If I can only manoeuvre myself into this career or to, to lose those last few pounds or I can get the house straight or I can finally get on that post-lockdown holiday, then life will be great and I will be content because my circumstances dictate my happiness. 
My circumstances dictate my contentment. In, an, in our passage today in Philippians, Paul just kind of turns this assumption completely on its head. And he says something that just kind of blows your mind. It blows your mind. And he says this, I have learned to be content, whatever my circumstances. I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. You know, if you're new to the Bible, uh, you're new to faith, perhaps you're, you're just checking things out, out this morning online for the first time. You know, Paul, Paul is probably one of the most influential people in biblical history. You know, he was, he was around a little while after Jesus and he started out as this, this devout and deeply religious Pharisee. And, and actually he made it his mission to go around and destroy Christianity by, by persecuting Christians. Uh, but God transformed Paul's life in the most amazing way way and he went on to be this this prolific preacher and he planted all these churches all over the place and actually a significant number of the books in our new testament are written by paul amazing guy but as we've already learned uh, in this series paul is writing this letter to the philippian church from a roman prison um let's not miss that we're getting advice on contentment from someone in prison we're getting advice on contentment from someone whose circumstances are not ideal. And he's, he's writing to them and he's saying, thank you so much for the gift that you sent me. Uh, and he's saying, thank you for, for Epaphroditus, the guy who sort of brought the gift along. And, and he says, thank you so much. But also, I'm writing because I want to encourage you to remember that true joy comes from God. And, and in fact, in four chapters of Philippians, uh, Paul talks of joy or rejoicing 16 times in those, uh, in those four chapters. And, and so we're going to read our passage this morning from Philippians chapter 4, just picking up where Holly left off last week. Um, and he starts off with this theme of joy. And he says, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. You know, getting a gift from, from Philippi to Rome wouldn't have been easy. There was no PayPal, there was no text giving, there was no Amazon Prime. You know, a messenger traveling from, from Philippi to Rome to get something to Paul was a bit like someone kind of walking from Land's End to John O'Groats. It was a long way, big deal. Uh, and so Paul says, I rejoice greatly. But then he says, I'm not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. And I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed, whether hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. The Greek word, I don't make a habit of talking a lot about Greek words because I don't uh, read New Testament Greek, but I understand that the Greek word for content that Paul is using here is a word that, that means self-sufficient, means self-sufficient. And it was used in, in Stoic philosophy, which was a really kind of popular thing around about that time. And the Stoics were people who, who placed a really, really high value on being you know, detached from their outward circumstances, you know, on having the resources in themselves to meet whatever challenge lay ahead of them without their, their emotions being really affected. We often think, don't we, we talk of people being stoical, uh, you know, people that seem kind of unshakable, unperturbed by whatever's going on. They, they seem to kind of stay strong through everything. They've got it all together. But Paul uses that word here to convey 
you know, yes, to convey an independence of circumstances, to, to, to convey a, a separation from circumstances, but instead of self-sufficiency, he talks of a, a dependence and a reliance on the, the, the resources of God. I can do all, all this through him who gives me strength. The secret of contentment for Paul, it wasn't his inner strength. It wasn't his, his stiff upper lip. It wasn't gritted teeth. It wasn't getting all his ducks in a row. The secret of Paul's contentment is not Paul at all. It's Jesus. And he's saying, I can be joyfully content in whatever circumstances by drawing on the strength that comes from Jesus's power living in me. And I'm paraphrasing quite a lot here, but I kind of think that Paul is saying it a bit like this. Thank you so much for your gift. It met a need that I had, but the truth is I still would have been content without it. I would have been fine. I have learned to depend on Jesus, and he is enough for me to be content. No matter what I face along the way, I know that I'll be able to get through it with the strength that Jesus gives me. Um, and what we need to realize and need to remember, and we, we kind of know it, I think, deep down, but we kind of need to revisit it all the time as we think about the, the circumstances of our lives. We need, to, we need to realize that the secret of contentment is not a 12-step self-help program. It's not a new kitchen. It's not a better job. It's not even three weeks of the Tour de France. Great stage today. Got to see it. Great. Summit finish. Fantastic. It's going to be great. Secret of contentment is not in those things, however. The secret of contentment is a person. A Scottish pastor and theologian, he, he put it a little bit like this. Everything we need and everything we lack is found in Christ. Paul had this perspective. He was content because he could see life from God's point of view. Paul was, he was so focused on living for Jesus. Uh, you know, he was so focused on surrendering his life to serve the kingdom of God. So, so focused on the work that he knew that God was calling him to do. That, that everything else just kind of, just was minor detail in comparison to the blessing of, of knowing Jesus and being in his service. All he needed, all Paul needed was more of Jesus. Um, wonderful attitude. It's a perspective that we see all the way through Paul's writing. You know, just a chapter earlier, Philippians 3, he talks of, you know, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, who's, uh, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. In Ephesians 1, he, he writes of us being given every spiritual blessing in Christ. Colossians 2, he writes of you know, being complete in our union with Christ. And, and with this perspective that Jesus was enough, he, he knew that God would provide all he needed to do the work that he was calling, being called to do. Uh, a bit later on in our Philippians 4 passage, uh, he says this, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. When I was um, seven or eight, maybe, I think it was about seven or eight, uh, my, my dad worked um, uh, quite a senior job in Avon County Council, as it was then. Um, and actually, he, uh, my mum and dad sensed God calling them to uh, 
to give up that job and to work for the church that they had just planted. And so my dad ended up being kind of a full-time pastor of the church that, that I was part of when I was younger. And, um, and that, that was great. It was good, a um, bit, bit different. Um, but then when I was about 10, so a couple of years later, um, the church ran out of money. And my dad kind of said, well, you know, God, you're calling, you've called me to serve this church. I'm going to serve this church. Um, and, you know, it's a bit, a bit of a challenge not getting paid for it. But, but actually, I'm going to trust God, and we're going to trust God as a family that he's going to provide us what we need to, to live. And that was quite an interesting experience. And I remember one particular time really clearly, coming home um, and, and showing my mum that my trainers had fallen apart. And uh, I could just kind of see her face, thinking, this is not a good time for your trainers to fall apart. And I remember that, that night, sitting down around the dinner table with, with my family, and praying together, um, Lord, Ed really needs a new pair of trainers uh, would you please provide what is needed for this new pair of trainers? And I still remember now what it was to, what it was to come down the following morning to see the envelope that my mum had had in her hand, an unmarked envelope with £25 cash that someone had slipped through the door at just the middle of the night, the previous night, in response to our prayer. And, you know, for, for me, that experience and an experience like many other experiences like that, you know, they were you know, really instrumental in, in me having a confidence that no, no God's going to provide what we need. You know, for Deborah and I, that's, that's been our story, uh, that actually my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. What might Paul's contentment equation look like? I think it might look something a bit like this. Joyful contentment. Jesus is enough. But as we come to, to, to land, you know, that, that does sound nice and neat, doesn't it? You know, we kind of click our fingers and say, let's just have that attitude. Let, let's just think differently from now on. Let's make sure that we're contented all the time, regardless of what's going on in our lives. Oh, it's, you know, easy peasy. And, you know, in a minute, we're going to pray and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit for help. Because I do think it is the work, it is a work of the Holy Spirit to, for us to have a, a, an altering mindset. But uh, just very, very practically, you know, I think it's really interesting that Paul says this. He says, oh, he says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. You know, contentment is something I think that does need to be learned. Uh, it's something that I, I reckon with Paul, it probably took him a bit of time, probably took a bit of practice. And I think probably it's the same for us. Actually, contentment, whatever our circumstances, is not kind of a natural response, is it? I think it's something we have to develop. And so this morning, I just want to be really, really, really practical and say two quick things and say, here are two things you could do this afternoon. Here are two things you could do this week to, to, to help learn more of what it is to be uh, this secret of contentment. And the first one is this. Uh, this came up last week. Practice gratitude. Gratitude is a complete game changer. Gratitude, just when it comes to kind of us, uh, us, us realizing and remembering the value of the blessings that God has poured into our lives, it, it really helps us to have a proper perspective. And, and my challenge for you starting this afternoon is this. Every day this week, uh, come to God and, and thank him for five things that he has given you, five blessings that he's given you, five things that, um, that, that, he, that the Bible says that God has done for you. And do that every day this week. And actually, even more, a little extra challenge if you're really, really up for it. We're British, which means that we moan a lot. I'm British, which means I moan a lot. We say we. Some of us are not. Most of us are British. Um, and, uh, and we moan a lot. Let's, every time we catch ourselves moaning, let's turn that round and, and thank God for another five things. Gratitude is a complete game changer 
uh, in terms of altering our perspective. And the second one is this, practice giving. Instead of thinking to yourself, what do I want to have? Ask the Lord, what do you want me to give? What do you want me to do? Uh, It might be giving money away. Um, It might be about serving someone or helping someone. It might be about just doing something way outside of your comfort zone to serve God. You know, what might that be for you? Lord, it's not what I want. I, I want to do something. I want to give something. And maybe just this week, think to yourself, what this week am I going to do? Maybe that's slightly outside my comfort zone. That's going to cost me. Because in doing that, what I'm going to do, my my perspective, my life is going to change. And also, probably, the thing about doing something uncomfortable is it kind of helps you to learn how to depend on God a bit more. It helps you to rely on God more. So, um, yeah, a couple of things maybe to do. Think about what that means for you this week, to practice gratitude and to practice giving. And I'm going to ask Annie and the team to to come up. And uh, we're just going to pray this morning and and respond to, to the Lord. I, I do think that the secret of contentment is a work of the Spirit. Um, and so whilst we want to take steps forward and do things to change our mindsets, we want to ask the Spirit of God to change us, to alter us, to, to, to help us to think differently. So why don't you stand with me now? Um, and, um, and I'm going to ask Annie just to kind of play a little bit for us. And, and we're just going to take a few moments to be open to the Holy Spirit. And um, one thing that, that I think is kind of really helpful, I know, for, I know for me is a really kind of helpful thing when I'm responding to God, is it's very simply to signal that with my body. And the way I do that often is I just kind of hold my hands out in front of me. There's nothing magical about it. It's nothing kind of spooky or weird. It's just a, it's just a physical sign to God that actually I'm open to you. Just like you do when someone gives you a gift, uh, you, you hold out your hands. And so if, if you would like to and you feel comfortable doing that, I just encourage you to do that as a sign to God this morning. Holy Spirit, I want to receive from you. And so we, we ask you, come Holy Spirit. Fill us afresh today. want to just take that moment to listen to you Lord what it is you're saying what you what do you want to do in our lives this morning it might be this morning that you are um you're either here in the building, you're watching online, and actually you, you're not exactly sure what it means to follow Jesus. And, um, you know, we just want to say we, we would love to help you to find faith in Jesus, to help you find the secret of contentment, the secret of contentment that is in a person, in the person of Jesus. And I just want to encourage you to, to, to get in touch, uh, maybe kind of 
leave, leave a comment if you're online. Drop us an email, hello at highgrove.church. We'd love to help you. You know, if you're in the building here and you'd appreciate so, to talking to someone about what faith in Jesus means and what it is, then maybe just when we come to a close, just come and kind of grab me, come and grab someone that's near you and just, just ask in a socially distanced way. Ask, uh, you know, about faith. Ask about what, what, what it means to have Jesus at the center of your life. You know, Paul's example is inspiring, but it's challenging. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask you for your strength. We ask you for to be at work in our lives, that we might all have a realisation what it means to, to be able to be content because it's you who gives us strength for our lives. It's you who gives us power. And we ask again, come, Holy Spirit, more of you. put you at the centre, to rely on you, all that you want to do, all that you want to bring. Yes, Lord. And we're going to go into to worship now and um, I encourage you to keep responding to God as we worship. Keep uh, just that opportunity of saying, Lord, what is it that you want me to give? What is it you want me to do? To have that, that gratitude towards all the blessings that God pours into your life. Lord, change my mindset. Change my contentment equation this morning. Amen.